All right, if you will tonight, turn your Bibles with us to Acts chapter number 15. Acts chapter number 15 tonight. Acts chapter number 15. We'll start in verse number 36 and read down to the end of the chapter. You can, st- you can keep your seat tonight, okay? Been standing for a little while. Order of service has just been a little bit different. So we'll let you keep your seat and I'll read and then we'll pray, all right? Acts chapter number 15 and in verse number 36. The Bible said, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia And went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for this one more opportunity that you have given us, privileged us with, afforded us to be in your house tonight. Lord, we ask that as we go into the service tonight, into the preaching hour, Lord, that you'd hide us behind the shadow of the cross and preach us in demonstration power of the Holy Ghost of God. Lord, I beg of you to guard our lips of clay, to stop our stammering tongue, to give us clarity of thought and speech to the things which you've laid on our heart and which we've studied and read and tried, Lord, to take a few notes. And we pray, God, that you'd help us tonight to deliver the word of God in a manner that'd be pleasing unto you, Lord, that we would uh, rightly divide the word of truth tonight, that you'd take the word of God and accomplish that more until you sent it. I pray you'd take that one, Lord, that's unsaved and lost and undone on their way to hell and you'd prick their heart, bring them to the end of themselves and show them that in the need of a savior. Pray, Lord, tonight that you would draw that wayward one back to you. And I pray, God, you'd encourage and uplift the downtrodden. For all that you do, Lord, we'll thank you and praise you. Give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, as you, uh, I'm sure, understand and know uh, this portion of Scripture probably being very uh, familiar text, I want to go back and I want to look at something here. Now, this morning as we... Uh, we're trying to preach there for just a little while. Uh, we were uh, dealing with people who have a tendency to be a little temperamental because they get their eyes on temporal things, not eternal things. And it uh, seems like they really strain hard sometimes to uh, get uh, what they want accomplished, accomplished. And uh, I don't believe that people try to do harm to the church because we sometimes get carnal in our desires, our wants, and our wishes. We have a tendency sometimes to to create that atmosphere. But here, I want to look at a little bit different situation. We're going to look at two men tonight 
who were both uh, certain and both sure that they were doing the right thing. Now, I believe that you can agree with me when you study the life of Barnabas and the life of Paul that both men loved the Lord and both men had a desire to serve him. And quite frankly, Barnabas and Paul had done a lot of ministerial things together. And they were a team, if you will. They had been coupled together and there was a lot of growth in Paul's life by having been coupled with that of Barnabas and, and really it helped to spur Paul on for the glory and for the honor of God. But we get down to this place in the scripture and we find that in the, the willingness to serve God and their willingness to, to try to, to be obedient to the Great Commission, uh, you understand that there was contention. And I want to say this, uh, just, and I'm not sure why, but I just feel led to say this. In spite of the fact that there was great contention, you do not read in the scripture where Paul nor Barnabas busted up the church and created an atmosphere that caused church dissension or separation of the church or destruction in the house of God. And so I want to say this. We was talking this morning about how easy it is to get our eyes off of eternal things and get our eyes on temporal things and to have desires and to want to push our agenda and then create an atmosphere where there is dissension, where there is trouble, where there is frustration, and where really and truly it becomes all about what we want and really not anything about what God wants. But these two men somehow had the ability to set aside their differences without causing a church ruckus. And so I want to, and let me say this time out for this minute. As far as I know, there ain't no church ruckus going on tonight, okay? So you just file this away for preventative measure. I just feel like this is the direction the Lord would have us to go, all right? So now there, if there is church problems, I don't know anything about it. You go work it out after church, okay? All right, so let me, let me let's, let's read here. Verse 36 says, In some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined. Now I want you to, to take notice of that word. Barnabas was determined beyond a shadow of a doubt. To take with them. John whose surname was Mark. So I want to say this. Barnabas had all intentions of going with Paul. He had all desire to go where Paul was going and to do what Paul had desired to do. It was Paul who come to Barnabas and said, Barnabas, let's take out on our second missionary journey and let's go back to where we've been and check on the church. And it was within Barnabas's heart to do that, but it was also in Barnabas's heart to take along John Mark. Now, let's look at something to try to bring us up to this point. All right. Go with me, if you will, to Acts chapter number four for just a moment while I shed this coat. Acts chapter number four. And I want to call your attention to a few things tonight. We'll probably be in a little lower gear tonight than we were this morning, but it'll be all right. Acts chapter number four, verse number 36. Now, as uh, let's read verse number 36. And Joseph who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, 
a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So let me let me let me give an example of this, if I could. We understand that Barnabas had a, a name given to him at birth that wasn't Barnabas. And so this would almost be like me saying that uh, I'm going to surname Brother Gene as a jokester. And so when I see Brother Gene, I start calling Brother Gene the jokester. And every time I see Brother Gene, I call him the jokester. And that's how I began to call him. And he responds to that. And it's just a, it's just something that I know Brother Gene by. And if Brother Gene wasn't joking, I'd think he was mad at him. So, but what I'm saying is that's part of his personality. And something about his personality would cause me to assign him a nickname that I would know him by. All right? And uh, so this is kind of how this works here. Barnabas has been given a name because he has an attribute to his personality that causes the apostles to call him by the name Barnabas. And Barnabas has a, has a meaning. And it's being interpreted as the son of consolation. So what does that mean exactly? What is this personality or this attribute that we find in Barnabas? Well, consolation means this, if I can read my own handwriting tonight, that which comforts or refreshes the spirits, it is a comparative degree of happiness in distress or misfortune. Quite frankly, he was that of an encourager. He had the attitude or the attribute as a Christian of being an encourager. Have you ever been around somebody that was just always a, a cup half full, not a cup half empty. Now, I'll be honest with you tonight. I have a tendency in my natural state to be the kind of guy that has a cup half empty. But what we're really looking at here is a man that had a cup half full. And his attitude was such as that he was a Christian that caused want to be an encourager to others. Now, I've been around some people in my life and in my ministry that in all honesty probably did not have the best ability to get up and speak. And they probably didn't have the voice, you know, really to be that of a, of a great singer. But they had the attitude that was such of an encouragement that you could not help when you were around them for their attitude to uplift you and put you in a state of encouragement. All right. And that's kind of the, 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 the reason that Barnabas was called Barnabas because uh, it was being interpreted the son of consolation. He was that which comforts or refreshes the spirits. I appreciate uh, in my service to the Lord having found myself in a place from time to time uh, where maybe the, the, the ministry, the enduring of the battle or whatever may be going on, that there's that encouraging word along the way from time to time. You ever found yourself in a situation where it was just, you know, the, the battle was strong and hard and beating you down and just a word from somebody helped to uplift and encourage you. Now, I do understand tonight that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And we can always go to the scripture and talk to God and find encouragement. But there, there's, a, there's been times when people have had the attitude or the, 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 the nature to be an encouragement to me in the ministry. And a lot of times I've found it in, in some older preachers that have 
fought the battle, have stayed faithful, have been in there. And just a little word of encouragement along the way or just to know that what you're going through uh, is it is it just uh, you're not the only one that's gone through it. You know, there's still 7,000 that ain't bowed and need a bail, so to speak. And it's been good at times to find yourself in that position to have someone to say something that was an encouragement. That was that was Barnabas. We, we've wrapped Barnabas up in a, in a nutshell, and that is who Barnabas was. And it's a, it's a good thing. When you read Acts chapter number 11 and verse 24, you don't have to turn there. The Bible said, for he was a good man, talking about Barnabas, and full of the Holy Ghost. So not only was he a good man, and we know people, Brother Gene, that probably, uh, you know, by our mindset, they, they're lost, they're undone, but, you know, they're pretty good old boys. Barnabas wasn't just a good old boy. Barnabas was a born-again believer. And he was a man that was full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. You know how we have faith, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Barnabas was a man that had his nose, Brother Shane, in the scripture. And he was busy about the father's business. Do you know why that was? Because he was a man that wasn't looking at temporal things, but he had the eyes of a man that was looking at eternal things. It was Paul... Uh, that was talking about having our eyes when he wrote to the church at Corinth on having our eyes on eternal things, not temporal things. That this light affliction is but for a moment, but worketh for us a far more than exceeding eternal weight of glory. And so Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And the Bible said much people was added unto the Lord. I believe Barnabas had the attitude and the relationship with the Lord and the testimony uh, and, and the desire to see lost souls say that his, his ministry was such that there was some added uh, unto the Lord. And I appreciate that. That ought to be our goal tonight, right? All of us ought to have the testimony, the attitude, the desire, the relationship with the Lord that such as people would be added into the family of God. But we find here that there's been a little bit of an issue in Saul's life that in all honesty was going to cause Saul some problems. And uh, we know that Saul on the road to Damascus was gloriously changed, that the Lord uh, spoke to him and a great light was shone forth and such that it blinded that of Saul. But Saul had an experience on the road to Damascus. And we know that. And But there's something that I want to show you. If we can, go to Acts chapter number 9. And uh, let's look at verse Number 26. Now we understand that Acts chapter number 9 is that famous chapter where we find the conversion of Saul. And we understand that Ananias had went his way and entered into the house and putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul. And that's the first account that we find a born again believer coming to Saul, wrapping his arm around him and acknowledging him as a man that had been changed. Okay? But there's a problem here. Paul, he had recognition. I mean Saul at the time, excuse me. Saul had recognition. Say, so what do you mean? He was recognized as being a man that killed Christians. He did have the, the predisposed, uh, predetermined, when people sent him, they knew who it was that was coming their way. You don't do the things that Saul done. You did not consent to the things that Saul consented to without having that of a reputation. And so his reputation went before him everywhere he went and he had recognition. There was notoriety, but it wasn't good. 
All right, and so Paul, he's got the commission. Paul's been Saul, Paul. Saul who was Paul, Paul who was Saul, he had a commission to go out for the Lord and to see souls saved. So much that he changed his direction 180 degrees. He goes from being one that kills Christians to those that goes out and tries to, to, to see people born again and saved and become a Christian. So he, he, can, he changed. So Paul had a commission, but Paul had a little problem. Paul's commission, uh, there was also with his commission recognition. And so we're, we're looking at a situation here where people were probably not going to be real receptive to what this man who killed Christians had to say. All right, and so let's look here. Verse number, let's back up to verse 22 for just a minute. The Bible said in Acts 9 and 22, but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwell at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying awake was none of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by the night, let him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. Now, essayed simply means attempted. So when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed or attempted to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Do you know why? Because he had recognition. But they were, not, they, were, they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Oh, everything that he'd done beforehand was, was of such a nature that they weren't about to take a chance on what it was that he was saying with his lips. Because he'd done some things with his hands and with his body that caused them not to believe what was coming out of his lips. And I want to say this, it's a pretty good testimony to what the Lord can do. I'm thankful tonight that the Lord can take a no good, low down somebody that actually is out to kill his people and change them and save them and put them on the right road. Aren't you glad for that tonight? There isn't a soul in the sound of my voice tonight that's done anything too hard or too bad that God wouldn't save you if you'd just turn and repent and call upon the name which is above every name. I appreciate that. All right, but it says here that verse number 27, but Barnabas. Now praise God for the but Barnabas. There's been some but Barnabases in my life. All right. Now, uh, the Bible says here, and believe not that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him. Paul right here has been handed and afforded a wonderful opportunity that by all rights did not deserve. By, by, by the, the carnal mind, he didn't deserve. Can I say that Barnabas reached out and took a chance on Paul? When no one else believed, when no one else was willing to give him an opportunity, when no one else was willing to give him a chance, here comes the son of consolation, the one which comforts, the one which refreshes the spirits. I'd say, to be honest with you, that Paul is probably a, a little bit upset. You know, the Lord's come to him. The Lord's changed him. The Lord's put him on the right road. The Lord's given him a commission. But he cannot fulfill the great commission because he can't get past the recognition. Of what he was. But there's that Barnabas. You better be thankful for the Barnabases in your life. 
I thank God for the Barnabases in my life. And we, friend, need to be like Barnabas and be the one that when all else turns them away, we're willing to take them in. I don't care if we fill every pew up with the worst of the worst in this county. I'll preach to them. All right, and so Barnabas here, this son of consolation, says, but Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. So we see here that Barnabas has taken a chance on Paul, but Paul's been given a chance. Thanks be unto God. And so I appreciate that. Now let's look on here at Acts chapter number 12 for just a moment. Acts chapter number 12. Bible said in Acts chapter 12 and verse 12, or let's back up to verse 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And we had considered the thing. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John. Now we understand that Peter was in prison here. Okay. And we understand that while Peter was in prison, that the church ceased not to pray for Peter all through the night. I mean, they prayed. A group of people come together, got on their knees and prayed and begged God for the life of Peter. All right, and we understand that when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. So we're going to find here, this is the first time that we really get introduced to who John Mark is in relationship to that of Paul and Barnabas. All right, so where many were gathered together praying, and Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. Now let's stop right here, because we know this story. Rhoda comes to the door. She understands that Peter, of all people, is at the door. And Rhoda runs back in, and she tells those that are actively praying for Peter, you're not going to believe who's at the door. And when she told them, they didn't even believe what they was praying for. The very thing that they was praying for God to do, they didn't even have enough faith that God had done it. But we understand that there was indeed Peter. And guess who witnessed the prayer? And then guess who witnessed Peter? John Mark. John Mark had an opportunity to see the Lord in action. I appreciate that. I appreciate in my life, even as a young boy, before I even got saved with a gene, I had people that would talk about the Lord and then tell of the things that the Lord had done for them in their life. And uh, you could tell through their life, they were sincere, they meant what they said, and I just honestly didn't fully understand it, but I knew not to dispute it because I believed in the people that were telling me these stories. I'm talking about mainly my grandparents and sitting around the table with tears running down his face, talk about the things that God 
had done and was doing for him in his life when no one else could do it. I took notice of that. John Mark is, is just like me. Or I was just like John Mark. I was able to, to be in the house witnessing things. Let me say this. Let me pause here and count for just a second. Sometimes the most, uh, the most religious things and the most uh, answer to prayers and the most uh, uh, sincere way of expressing God to your children happens at the house. It wasn't at church that John Mark got introduced to the power of God. Let me tell you right now, it was at home. And at home through prayer, John Mark got to witness the hand of God. I would say that our children could see the hand of God and the action of God, the power of God come forth to fruition while they are at the house. And if and when they see it at the house, they won't have a hard time believing it when the preacher preaches about it down at God's house. I had no problem believing what the man of God had to say from the word of God because I had seen it in the house. And that's just a side note, okay? That wasn't even in my outline. But my point is there's something that happened at home that had an impact on John Mark. said, preacher, how do you know that? Because we go to verse number 25 in the same chapter, chapter number 12. The Bible said, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Well, I believe Mark got excited. I believe Mark seen the hand of God. He seen that the power of God had come to fruition. He had witnessed God do something that even the people that was praying at that time was so shocked that God had done it. that I believe it put a fire in John Mark. And so now John Mark, who better to go, who better to go with than Barnabas and Saul? Now I do want to call your attention to something. Let's back up and think about this for just a minute. Who was it that reached out and took a chance on Saul? It's Barnabas. Now I made this point, but it's going to it's going to help us flow right into what I'm fixing to say. Uh, Bar- the Bible said, in verse twenty-five, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. You notice in this earlier portion of these. Uh, chapters that we're reading that it's always Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul did this and Barnabas and Saul went here and Barnabas and Saul done that and Barnabas and Saul done this. It's always got Barnabas being the kind of the leader of the crowd, you know, the leader of the pair, the, the one that's kind of just taking in Saul and helping him on. He believed in Saul. All right, so and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John Mark, who's, or John, whose surname was Mark. Verse Chapter 13, verse 2, said, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost separated. Uh, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So we see that the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost spoke, the Holy Ghost called it, called it like this. Barnabas and Saul. Let's go to verse number seven, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul. It's always Barnabas and Saul. The people are looking at it as like Barnabas and Saul. The Holy Ghost says Barnabas and Saul said who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now let's drop down here uh, 
Uh, let's see, verse number 12. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from uh, Papos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now, we understand right here that it's been Barnabas and Saul. John Mark has left and went with them, but now John Mark has returned and went back to Jerusalem. But the, 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 the ministry doesn't stop there. The, the fact that John Mark left Barnabas and Saul didn't stop Barnabas and Saul from going on and doing what they were commissioned to do. But let's look at how this changes here for just a little bit. Now, as we, as we consider uh, what's transpiring here, let's drop down to uh, Acts chapter number 13 and verse number 46. The Bible says, uh, let's back up to verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came also the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas. Have you noticed the change in the words here? Up until this point, it's been Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. Now it's Paul and Barnabas. Waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy uh, of everlasting life, will we turn to the Gentiles. All right, let's drop to chapter 14, verse number uh, four. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also the Jews were their rulers uh, to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it, uh, aware of it, and fled unto Lystra and Derby, cities of uh, Lyconia, and under the region that lies round about, and there they, so they're still together, preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said to the loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. So what's happened is here, they're wanting to put godlike status on Barnabas and Paul. Now, I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to hang out here either for just a minute, but I'm going to. Seems like any time something good starts happening in, in, in a local assembly somewhere. Seems like every time somebody wants to award some kind of status to somebody, and it, it never fails that there'll be something good going on. Folk will be getting saved. And the next thing you know, the preacher or a deacon or a Sunday school, somebody winds up taking God-like status. And it becomes all about the individual. And God slowly fades out of the whole thing. They put Ichabod over the door. And before you know it, friend, that thing falls in on itself and crumbles. So we better be real careful in the house of God today to give, uh, to give it all to God. All right? And when the people saw what Paul had done, they seen God work through Paul. They lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods have come down to us from the likeness of men, and they called Barnabas Jupiter. And Paul Mercurius, 
Listen to why they named Paul or give Paul this name. Because he was the chief speaker. Now I want you to notice that. That's important. We find a man who couldn't get a leg up, couldn't get a chance, couldn't climb the ladder, couldn't make it nowhere. Here comes Barnabas, the son of consolation, wraps his arm around Saul and takes him under his wing and says, I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to spur you on in the ministry. And it was such that people were added to the church and they were doing a great work. And as uh, he encouraged and helped Paul, Paul began to lose his recognition as being a Christian killer and began to start being recognized through this transition of being a true man of God. So Paul starts out with a commission. But Paul is stuck because he's a man of recognition. But because of Barnabas, the son of consolation, we find that Paul starts a transition. All right, and then we see that Paul starts having definition. You say, what do you mean? He's redefining himself as who he is. So I'm thankful to God that we can go from being uh, just having a commission and that having this struggle of recognition as what we were. But if somebody would just wrap their arms around people and help them and, and disciple them and show them the right way and encourage them on and spur them on, friend, there can be a transition. And you can transition out of being recognized as one thing and being redefined as something else. And that's what we see Barnabas, this son of consolation, do we have a famine in the house of God today all across this land for Barnabas. Oh, yes. We need them, friend. We need them. And so Paul's had some transition going on here. Paul's now, he's got definition. He's redefined who he is. And now because Paul, who had a commission, who was struggling with recognition, has got transition and he's got definition, now Paul's a man of position. Paul now is the chief speaker. Barnabas, he ain't having a problem. Barnabas ain't walking around sticking his neck out trying to be in front of Paul all the time. Barnabas ain't upset that Paul's getting something done. Barnabas ain't upset that Paul has found himself in a position to where he's being all that God called him to be. He's just standing there smiling, knowing that he took a part in helping this man through the Spirit of God, become what God wanted him to be all along. That's what we ought to do. It ought not to be about us or who's the chiefest of who. It ought to be about what can we do for God. And I've said this before, and I don't remember where the quote come from, but it is amazing what we can accomplish when we do not care who gets the credit. Because at the end of the day, it's all about God getting the credit, right? All right. And so we see that Paul is the chief speaker. But I like what they say here. Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes running among the people crying out. Now notice this. It's gone from Barnabas and Saul to Paul and Barnabas to now they've been given this godlike status. And who, what do we find again? It's Barnabas and Paul. The old man decides he's going to stand up first and forefront and stop this mess right now. We don't have God-like status. He says, and, and, and so, uh, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes, ran in among the people crying out and saying, Sir, why do ye these things? 
We also are men of like passions with you. And preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. They just kept pointing to God. Pointing to God. Pointing to God. Now listen, Paul didn't have a heart to be more than Barnabas, and Barnabas didn't have a heart to be more than Paul. They had a heart to be everything they could be for God. If Paul had been such that his whole goal was to be more than Barnabas, then he would have been doing what he was doing for self-gratification. And when one does what they do for self-gratification, you understand the second that these men come out and give him a name that caused him to be the chief among speakers, he would have took that and ran with it. But immediately he put the brakes on. He said, no, 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 you're missing the point. It's all about God. It's all about the finished work of Calvary. It's all about the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these men don't have a problem trying to be the, the, the one out front or the one in charge. There's just zeal. There's just tons of zeal to do what God wants them to do. All right, and so let's drop down to verse number 19 here of chapter 14. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. You don't find anywhere where Barnabas got stoned. Now think about this for just a second. Because this is what, this is what actually happens. And I'm, 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 I'm afraid that even in my own life, if I'm not careful, this slips up on me. See, it's not my heart to be the one out front. It's not my heart to be the one in charge. It's not my heart to be the one that stands out among the crowd. Just so happens that I'm in the position that I'm in, and uh, I'll say there goes a whole, there's a whole lot more that goes with it than being the one out front, I'll say that. But I will say this, where we start finding the transition happen is because Barnabas don't get whipped. Barnabas don't get stoned. Paul gets it thrown to him. Paul's the one, he's the chief among speakers, and Paul starts getting the beating and the bashing for what he's doing. But let me show you Paul's heart here. Verse 20 said, listen, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Brother Marvin, they didn't chunk a few gravels at him. They gave him the old Stephen treatment. They, they held him out in a crowd and took it, throwed him, I mean, throwed it at him. To the point that they supposed that he was dead. I reckon, reading my Bible the way I do, they probably knocked him out John. And he was laying there lifeless because he was. they thought he was dead. Now you need to read this and really consider the words and how they're written. Paul got it. I mean, they beat him. But the Bible said in verse 20, How be it as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. So you know what he done, Brother, Brother Shane? He got up, he wiped off, cleaned up, got with Barnabas, and they went on. Now that seems sometimes to be, and trust me, I am no Paul and I am no Barnabas. But sometimes we have the ability, because we think so much of ourselves, that we, we start looking at our situation and our circumstances and begin to think, man, you know, my heart is that I want God to have the preeminence. My heart is that God, would, would his name would be lifted up. I'm not looking to be uh, the best of the best or the chiefest of the speakers or the number one out front or the number one man or anything else. 
But then we start getting beat on. And we start having to take some punishment for the way that we are. And because of what we stand on and how we stand on it, the way that we feel and our stand with the scripture and our, uh, our willingness not to, to back up from God's book, we have to take a few licks every once in a while for it. But when we take those licks, it almost gives us an entitlement to be the one that is in charge because look what I'm doing that nobody else has done. See, it's not, it's not that Paul didn't want it to be about Christ. It was all about Christ. It was all about God. But now he's earned some stars and stripes. See, now he's no longer the, the, the rookie. Now he's no longer the one that's just been going along. See, he's the chief among speakers. He's learned how to talk. He's refined his way of speaking. He's not the, the, the young preacher no more. But now he's got beat on. And now he's taking things that old Barnabas ain't happened to take. And so now it's almost like, well, he's just achieved the status that he's achieved just because of where he's been and what he's done. I don't think it's in his heart to be mean. I don't think it's in his heart to be the chiefest. But now he's done something for the Lord. Now let's look on here in verse 21. When they had preached the gospel of that city and it taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Now, what was it that Paul and Barnabas were doing? They were confirming the souls and the, uh, of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. What was it Paul was doing when he got beat with the stones and stoned and left for dead? He was just continuing the faith. We've read over and over and over again how Paul was a faithful man, how Paul never kept back nothing, how he continued on in spite of it all, how he fought a good fight, finished his course with joy. Faithful to a fault. I mean, he was gonna he was gonna go no matter what. And he's preaching that of faithfulness. And so we get sometimes like that, right? I mean, you know, hey, we're preaching to people. We want them to be faithful. We want them to get serious. We want them to, to turn the TV off, to cut the trash out of their life, to get separated, dedicated, consecrated, serious about the house of God. I mean, get to, to, for the house of God to have a place of importance in their life, for them to, 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 to sell out to God. You know, that's our goal. That's what we want. That His name be lifted up. But along the way, we take some beatings and we get abused for it. We, we earn our stripes and we feel like we've been in the battle a little while. And then we find that this happens. Let's go to Acts chapter 15, back to verse 36 where we started. Some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city. So who's the one making the decisions now? Paul. Paul's the one that's decided on his uh, second missionary journey where he wants to go. And, 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 and by all rights, I, I dare say that Paul probably sought the Lord. And Paul was probably going to go where God wanted him to go. And there's no doubt that Paul had a heart for these people. I mean, if you took if you took a stone and you got abused and you got beat on along your missionary journey for the cause of Christ and for those souls to get saved, you'd probably feel like you had something invested in what's going on. And for let me say this, for those of you that are in the work of the Lord that don't feel invested, you need to check up on yourself and see where you're at. But here's what we find. Some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren. He don't go up to Barnabas and say, uh, Brother Barnabas, what do you think about us doing this? Paul goes to Barnabas and says, hey, 
Let you and me go down here and check on these people. Check on the church. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. Now let me say to you, I thank God for the Barnabases in life, but Barnabas' determination is what brought Paul to where he's at. Barnabas' determination is what got Paul past the recognition and through the transition and caused him to have definition and now give him position. And so now we see because of all that, Paul had proposition. Paul has proposed that we go do this. But then there's an issue. Barnabas has made some determinations. Barnabas has went along. He's done everything Paul wanted to do. But he's also determined that when they go on this second missionary journey, he's going to take John Mark. So Paul's went from commission to recognition to transition to definition to position to proposition. Uh-oh, now we got opposition. Everything's been good until it wasn't. I'll say this to you in the ministry. Everything will be good till the end. You better buckle up and sit her up tight because if you're in any length at all, everything will be good till it's not. And so then you got to make some determinations what you're going to do here. So Paul had opposition. And Barnabas is determined. And so Paul has went from proposition to opposition to prohibition. He forbid it. That's what prohibition is. He forbid it, not willing to consider it. Look up the definition of prohibition. Paul's had a lot of things go on in his life. He's hit many levels. He's gone through many uh, steps in his Christian life. And friend, that's what growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior is. As we grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, we go through processes. If you are sitting in the same position today that you were in this time last year, friend, you are as dried up, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. And you need to get on the altar and find out why you're not moving forward. Paul was moving forward and he was growing in grace and knowledge. I'll say this, Paul and his zeal, he still hadn't learned everything. Now there's a lot of preachers that will stand up and act like, well, we don't know who was right in this situation. Well, I don't think they're reading their Bible the correct way. Say, so what do you mean? Are you actually not going to side with Paul? Let me say to you something. I believe a lot of people don't give Barnabas the credit that he's due because he's standing beside Paul. Now, Barnabas wasn't there for the credit. Barnabas wasn't there for the credit or he wouldn't have done what he'd done by sticking his neck out for Paul. The problem is Barnabas is the son of consolation. He's the one that's trying to disciple and help get people through these growing steps. Paul probably, in all honesty, didn't realize what he had in Barnabas. Now, I appreciate the fact that Paul knew what he had in Christ. Paul recognized what he had in the Lord. But I fear sometimes we fail to realize what we have with the Barnabases that are in our life. And I'll be honest, it took me some years uh, of, of working for the Lord and years in the ministry before I really understood that I had some Barnabases in my life. You know why? Because I hadn't grown in grace and knowledge and reached that point where I could look back on it and see where I had been and what God had brought me from. So let me say this. Hindsight's 2020. 
We can all look back on what has been, on what we should have done. And as we talked this morning, we can't erase the miles. We can learn that although we may not know everything, we might ought to consider some things. So here's what I want to say. Was John Mark, did he leave the work? He sure did. Did Paul and Barnabas keep, did did Paul and Barnabas keep on? Sure. They went on. There's going to be a lot of people in the ministry that ain't made it to where you are yet. And everybody's experiences aren't the same. Let me say to you, John Mark didn't have a Damascus experience quite like Paul did. He's seen some things, but he wasn't where he needed to be. I know in my heart, brother Gene, I've seen the Lord do some things I didn't fully understand as a young man in the lives of other people. But I hadn't experienced them yet. I didn't understand them all. My wife can testify the growing steps and the growing pains that we've gone through as a married couple on our journey growing from grace and knowledge, Lord and Savior. And friend, we ain't, we've not arrived yet. If you're breathing, you ain't arrived yet. Oh, but the Barnabas is in our life. The grace. Man, I, I tell you, I'm here tonight where I'm at today because of grace. I stand where I stand tonight, not because of myself or my ability, but by the mercy and the grace of God and because there's been some barnabases in my life. And I'm, a, I'm afraid that if everybody done what Paul done, we shut a lot of people out of the ministry. Now listen to me. Don't leave out of here thinking that I'm a compromiser and then I'll let anything go. You listen to me. If people are, are, are whoring around and are living in adultery and, and, and drinking and smoking dope, they're not going to come up here and play the piano. They're not going to lead to singing. They're not going to seek Sunday school. They're not going to be run out of the house of God. I can tell you that. We're going to preach to them and we're going to love them. And we're going to tell them what's right. And we're not going to compromise, but we sure ain't going to run them off. And I want to say this to you. I believe Barnabas understood that, that, that John Mark probably didn't know what he was getting himself into when he left out on that missionary journey. Brother Ray, you ever been in some situations on the field where you probably think that somebody hadn't been on the field before wouldn't understand what you was going through? I guarantee you there's people on the field tonight that's going through things that I would have a hard time understanding because I haven't been down that road. And so here's the thing. In all Paul's zeal, all Paul's faithfulness to the Lord, all Paul's preaching, Paul gets crossed with Barnabas because he don't think John Mark deserves the right to go on that journey with him. Can I say none of us? <laughs> none of us deserve to be in the ministry. I'm not talking about living in sin, gross immoral acts, and going on and, and trying to play a part and, play, and live a lie of hypocrisy. That's not what I'm talking about. I will say this, if you don't realize and understand we all was all hellbound sinners and none of us deserve to be saved, little long do anything for the cause of Christ, you're fouled up and you're thinking. So Barnabas was determined to take with him John, Mark, who, uh, John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take him with them. So Paul now has decided that his mindset is superior to Barnabas's. You better, you better pay attention to what I'm fixing to tell you. You better be careful when you start thinking that your own intellect is superior to someone else's. And you better consider what you do and why you do it by the Bible 
Because when you start thinking that your intellect is more than someone else's, you are surely about to mess up. He said, but Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia. So we see the problem. There's a grudge right here because he didn't think that John Mark should have went back. He looked at him as a traitor, as a compromiser, as one who wasn't faithful. Barnabas looked at him as someone that had potential, but he needed another opportunity. You better be glad that you've been given another opportunity. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder from one from the uh, one from the other. You know what happened? Barnabas was willing to walk away, Brother Gene. You better understand tonight, there's certain circumstances and certain situations where all you can do is walk away. The son of consolation, the one uh, that, that, that brought comfort, the encourager, the one that taught Paul and helped Paul get to where he was at. You know what he knew? He knew the only thing he could do in this situation was let Paul learn it for himself. There does come a time in the ministry where you better let folk learn it for themselves. And rather than bust the church wide open and, and destroy the church, then you know what happens? They parted ways. They just went through separate directions. You say, now how can both men serve the Lord and be uh, have this contention? Now listen, we're going to find uh, in the Bible here that, uh, that, that Paul understands some things about what he's done. And let me, let me say to you quickly, and I ain't got time tonight, but Acts chapter 16 uh, tells us that uh, this is the next chapter over that Paul runs into a young man named Timothy. Now think about this. And guess what he decides he's going to do, Brother Marvin? He's going to mentor Timothy. Paul was going to do for Timothy what Barnabas done for Paul. But as time progresses and time goes on, turn with me uh, to, to uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 4 for just a second. Let's start our reading in verse number 10. Now, Paul has taken in Acts chapter number 16, young Timothy, under his wing. He's going to be to Timothy what Barnabas was to him. And so there's some advice for young Timothy in the in the, uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 10. The Bible says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. So he's saying, not only do I labor, but, uh, but you labor too. And not only do I suffer, but Timothy, you suffer too. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. These things command and teach. Now listen to the advice that is given to young Timothy by Paul. He said, let no man despise thy youth. Why does he warn Timothy of that? Because he understands that right off the bat, the age factor plays a factor in how people perceive you in the ministry. He said, but be thou an example of the believers. If you're going to cause someone not to despise your youth, Timothy, you're going to have to be an example. You're going to have to, to put your words into action. He says, be that an example of the believers in word, in conversation. Now, this conversation is not in word. In word means what comes out of your mouth. In conversation is how you live your life. 
in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, the exhortation to doctrine. In other words, if you're going to have a fighting chance, Timothy, at people not despising your youth, you're going to have to be all these examples that I've just given you, and the only way you are going to be the examples that I've given you is if you give attendance to reading, the exhortation, and the doctrine. Then he says this, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. In other words, give your mind to these things. Give thyself wholly to them. This is a man, Paul's a man who gave himself wholly to the ministry. So he's giving him good advice here that thy profiting may appear to all. In other words, it's not just good that you profit from these things, but that other people see it. You want to be something for the cause of Christ. Look, you're going to have to show, you're going to have to show that God's doing something in your life. These people that have the attitude, well, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. You better. Now that don't mean you have to compromise, but if I walked around and didn't care who thought what about me, friend, I wouldn't get nothing done. Verse 16, he says this to him. Take heed unto thyself. Whoa, what advice right there. You know the one thing Paul didn't take heed to when he was going through this situation with Barnabas to himself? He wasn't considering himself. He wasn't considering what Barnabas had done for Paul. He said, continue in them. He said, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. In other words, he said, it's going to take more than just you looking at the Scripture. It's going to take more than you taking the scripture to give to somebody else, but it's going to be you taking the scripture and applying it to yourself. You know what we do sometimes in the ministry? We get us a good, a good Sunday school lesson, or we get us a good sermon that'll fit this one and that one and another, and then we go preach that thing and we never consider the scripture in light of our own life. But he said, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself. Well, I thought Timothy, Timothy was already saved. He was by the grace of God, but he was going to wreck himself in the ministry if he didn't give heed to what Paul's telling him here. He's saying, save yourself some heartache. Save yourself some trouble, young Timothy. I know because I've experienced it. And them that hear thee. So the goal is to save them that hear thee, but also to save ourselves and keep ourselves. Because I'm going to say this, it don't matter what we say to others, if we ain't kept ourselves, it ain't going to do no good. It ain't going to do no good. But this is what I like. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 4 and 10 for just a moment. Now here's something I find interesting about Barnabas. Barnabas was an encourager. Barnabas was a teacher, but Barnabas also realized there comes a point but we have to let people learn on their own. He had given all the tools to Paul for Paul to succeed. He had given Paul everything he could give Paul, but at this point, he was going to do more damage by being with Paul than he was if he didn't separate himself. And he could only trust that Paul had everything he needed that time would cause Paul to learn what Paul was missing here. And so you've heard the old adage, give a man a fish, he will eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he will eat for a lifetime. So you know what happened here? Barnabas taught Paul how to fish. 
And then he left him to himself to feed himself. But we find in 2 Timothy 4 and uh, verse number 10. Let's, let's back up. I want to back up to verse, uh, verse number 5. Watch thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. So there's that, there's that be an example again. Prove what you are in the ministry. He says, for I am now ready to be offered in the time I depart your hand. You know Paul's at the end of his life, Brother Gene. He's experienced some stuff. He's lived. He's learned. He's watched. He's seen. He's the older one now. This is what he says. He says, I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. In other words, we find over here that his whole problem with John Mark was that John Mark didn't stay faithful. Paul said, I kept the faith. Paul was a man that held back nothing. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me. What have we run into right here? We've run into somebody else that's forsaken Paul. Paul's mind right now is on, on those that have forsaken him. He said, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. He said, Take Mark and bring him with thee. And then listen to what he says here. He said, For he is profitable to me for the ministry. Well, you know what happened? Later on in life, Paul realized that the very thing that had been extended to him is the very thing that had been extended to Mark. I bet it had been extended to John Mark. And I feel that sometimes in our life, in our ministry, and in our struggles and trials to stay faithful, when we get bitter, listen to me tonight, get bitter at those who will not get faithful. I get frustrated that I try to live right and do right and preach, and then you find that there's people that don't care. And they want to do what they're going to do. And, and, and they, 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 they end up seem like going back to the very thing that they come from. It's frustrating. And if you're not careful, Brother Gene, you want to write them off. You want to say there's no point. There's no, point. There's no, there's no reason. And every time I get that way, I realize if I had been done that way, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Listen, it took, it took Paul some years, probably 10 at least, if I'm figuring correctly, and I may not be, at least 10 years to come to the determination that Mark was profitable to And it's taken me some years and some time to see that I didn't understand the way that I thought I understood. And I thank God for opportunity and second chances. And we're not going to compromise. And we can't compromise. And we can't allow people who are living in gross immoral sin to take part in certain things. There's no, there's no, there's no way we can allow that to, to be in any kind of leadership role in the church. But we better love them. And we better be willing to give them another opportunity. I'm going to tell you something. There's been some times when I'm so low in my life, in my ministry. Not, not probably, well, yeah, I guess since I've been called to preach. That if it hadn't have been for an encourager, especially in, in the younger part of my ministry, an encourager to, to tell me that it was all right, to move on, to pick yourself up. You know, a, 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 a man fall, a just man falls six, or I, said, I don't remember how that goes. A man falls six times, but a just man, he'll get up and say, 
My point is, we don't lay on the ground. We get ourselves up, we dust ourselves off, and we go on for the glory and honor of God. But the son of consolation give John Mark an opportunity when old faithful Paul wouldn't. And that Paul learned later on in his life, guess what? John Mark must have done something right. That second opportunity must have made a difference in John Mark's life because Paul found out later on that when Demas had forsaken him, John Mark was faithful and profitable. I try my best to, to live a life for the glory and honor of God. And I'll tell you this, I didn't always do that. And early in my ministry, as I was growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, I faltered, made blunders, said things. I said stupid things behind the pulpit that would probably get me run out of here. And it should. But there were some people that had some grace with me. And because of that, I'm able to be where I'm at today. And you know what got John Mark to where he was at today? It sure wasn't Paul. You know why, you know why John Mark was profitable to Paul? He wasn't both Paul. John Mark was profitable to Paul because of Barnabas. Paul had to get it in and stop himself and think, thank God for Barnabas. You better be thankful tonight for the Barnabases in your life. Let's all stand to our feet. Sis, if you'll come to the piano, find something just softly for a moment. I wonder how many of us tonight can look back on our lives and see the Barnabases that's helped us to get to where we're at. Then I wonder tonight how many of us are being the Barnabas to someone who's maybe faltered or blundered or made a mistake. I think that there's some people tonight that just need somebody to come up to them and tell them they love them and encourage them to go on for the glory and honor of God. We're quick sometimes to rebuke and we're quick sometimes to reprove, but I think that we're probably real slow in being an encourager. And I'll tell you tonight that everything that John Mark was to old preacher Paul wasn't because of Paul, but it was because of Barnabas. And, Bar and Paul was still a recipient of the discernment of Barnabas later in his life before he gave up his life. When he had finished his course, when he had done fought a good fight, when he had done kept the faith, he was still the recipient and calling on one at that time that was profitable to him because that one had been given a second chance, but it wasn't because of Paul. For everything Paul had done good, Paul was a recipient of the grace and the encouragement of the Son of Consolation. And I wonder tonight if we are being Barnabas for someone who needs an encouraging word. If you need to come tonight, you come. You talk to the Lord. I don't know your need. I don't know who the message is for. I feel the message helped me a great deal. And I needed the message. But if you need to come, you come tonight as we pray. Alright? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you for the faithful ones down through the ages that have fought the good fight, kept the faith. Lord, that's finished their course with joy. And Lord, I thank you for, for faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, that, that that's all you're looking for tonight. You're not looking for talent. You're looking for faithfulness. Lord, I thank you for the second chances and the forgiveness that's been extended to me down through the years. 
And Lord, I'm worthless and I'm no good. And I don't want to be the one out front. And I don't want to be the chief. And I don't want to be the, the lead one that's always trying to get their name out in front of everybody. Lord, my desire is to uplift your name. To get out of the way and let the name, which is above every name, be magnified. Souls might get saved for your glory and honor. That somebody might escape an eternity in the charred walls tonight. But God, in all of our faithfulness, in all of our working to try to stay faithful, in all of our effort, Lord, to fight that good fight and endure a hardness as a good soldier of the cross, and all the crosses that we have to bear tonight, I pray, God, that somewhere along our way in this ministry, God, that we could be a Barnabas to someone in need. God, I'm a recipient of grace and mercy, and I'm where I'm at today because of Barnabas in my life. People that couldn't really get out front, people that was willing to take a back seat, people that were willing, Lord, not to have their name brought forth, but just to magnify your name. I'm, I'm where I'm at tonight because you've allowed some Barnabases in my life. God, I pray that in all the faithfulness and in all our effort to try to be a faithful Christian and to fight, to, to, to be willing to, to, to take the stonings and the beatings and the stripes and all those things, that God, we wouldn't get bitter in it, but Lord, we would take those that maybe have fallen back or went AWOL in the ministry. God, and be like the son of consolation and courage. Lord, I thank you for Barnabas's. Help us to be more like Barnabas tonight. We'll love you and thank you and praise you and give you glory, give you honor for all that you do for us. We love you tonight. And oh, Lord, we thank you for mercy and thank you for grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, I certainly appreciate